Hey, welcome back to the channel. My name is Simland, and today we do another Instagram Q&A. This episode is brought to you by Blue Blocks, my favorite light and sleep optimization companies. Artificial light at night exposure is associated with diabetes, obesity, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's. Blue Blocks provides the highest quality blue blocking glasses that filter out the specific wavelengths that have been shown to suppress melatonin in studies. Melatonin is more than the sleep hormone. It's also vital for longevity, anti-aging, and immunity. Artificial light exposure suppresses melatonin up to 99% and makes your brain think that it's daytime before bed. That's why I love using Blue Blocks to guarantee my body is making high amounts of melatonin prior to sleep. They also have daytime lenses that you can use to reduce digital eye strain and retinal damage when working in front of a computer all day. You can get a sweet 15% discount of all the Blue Blocks glasses, red light light bulbs, red light devices and sleep masks if you head over to blueblocks.com forward slash seamlund and use the code seam15. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com forward slash seamlund and the code is seam15, S-I-I-M 15. So first question, uh, would reheating cooked and cooled potatoes destroy the resistant starch? I don't think so. I haven't heard about that um, reheating the cooked and cooled potato would destroy the starch. I think it's going to stay there regardless if you... So you, can, you don't have to eat the cold potato to get the resistant starch. Um, like once you've cooked it and cooled it down, then it stays there. At least that's what I've uh, come to find and I haven't found like any other evidence to suggest that you destroy the resistant starch after you reheat the potatoes. Uh, do you eat any foods raw organs uh, well i eat raw you know fruits are raw <laughs> so uh, maybe like a few vegetables raw as well carrots or something um, salads um, i don't eat like meats and stuff raw um, because i think that cooking it actually increases the bioavailability of certain uh, proteins and such obviously you don't want to like you know overheat it. you don't want to overcook it over fry it or something that would destroy the nutrients etc uh, but slightly, you know, heating it up a little bit does actually, because I mean, like cooking made us, you know, human or like cooking helped us to grow our brains a lot um, and like, get access to a lot more nutrients and uh, micronutrients and calories, essentially, because raw food is harder to digest as well. Like you actually burn a lot of calories to digest raw food, especially if it's like, you know, plants and vegetables. Um, so, yeah, like eating, let's say, raw meat would also like you would... Uh, lose a lot more calories for digesting that raw meat compared to cooked meat so actually it's more bioavailable in that sense the uh, calories at least um, why do you consider canola oil bad for health canola oil i mean it's just empty calories <laughs> there's no like nutrients in canola oil first and foremost like there's no magnesium there's no other like micronutrients it's just calories and fat which is you know I mean, too much, this by, by itself is going to be bad if you have like a ton of food, especially processed food that has a ton of this canola oil on, on it, then you, you're just going to get more calories and that by itself will have like a negative effect on your health. Um, that aside, uh, canola oil is also generally, you know, processed in a way that makes that uh, fat uh, oxidized. It's uh, under a lot of heat, it's under a lot of this... Uh, basically um, ox exposed to oxygen, sunlight, etc., those kind of things, pressure, uh, that will oxidize the fats, and because it's a polyunsaturated fat, uh, canola oil, then it's very like vulnerable to that oxidation, and it goes through lipid peroxidation, which will have like a huge um, negative effect on your own uh, body. It's going to like increase inflammation and oxidative stress, promote mutagenesis, carcinogenesis, um, yeah, just bad. It's uh, very harmful to your body i mean there's a, like you know a certain amount your body can deal with your body has glutathione it has other antioxidant defense systems so even if you eat like the worst kind of you know oils like you know you know restaurant you eat food that was cooked in canola oil 
I wouldn't be like super worried about it as long as you don't do it like every day and frequently. Because yeah, like a lot of people may underestimate your own body's ability to deal with this, you know, crap and uh, damage. It's your body is very powerful in the when in the sense that it can even deal with all this like margarine and canola oil in small amounts. And if you do it infrequently, it's not that you eat one, you know, teaspoon of canola oil and you're immediately like you know wrecked for the ten years of your life. It's not like that. Uh, but yeah, like ideally, you would just wouldn't want to use canola oil. It's like first of all, no nutrients, no benefits, only causes harm, uh, and it's only like anti-calories. Uh, how much liver per day? Well, generally, um, you know, any any amount is already good. Like one ounce is already going to give you a lot of the micronutrients, and um, like I think you peak around like three ounces. You don't get any more benefits after after three ounces. So I don't I don't see a reason to eat more than three ounces. Um, but yeah, like even one ounce is a good. But you don't want to be eating like a ton of liver in one sitting, like uh, like um, five hundred gram, like a pound of liver. I mean, once a day is fine, but once a week is fine. But if you do it like every day, a pound of liver or something, then it's no point. Is you get like too much of uh, because and you don't absorb all the vitamins and minerals. Like it's better to have like a sustained, stable intake of all these uh, micronutrients rather than having like a huge spike, like like a pound of liver in one in on on a Sunday on Sunday and uh, no no liver the other days. So yeah, like one to three ounces per day is better than like a pound of liver once a week. Um, best advice to do after binge eating to stay healthy. <laughs> well, I mean, I think for a mental health perspective, then you shouldn't like, you know, start to beat yourself up or um, not go into like some sort of a vicious restriction mode or yeah, because like you maybe like you binge and then you go into, okay, now I need to like starve myself for the next few days or something I need to or beat myself up with exercise, whatever that just, you know, creates this, you know, back and forth yo-yo effect that you binge you restrict you can't hold that restriction for longer you like just you, you break eventually and you then you binge again and then you restrict 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 so yeah from a mental health perspective you shouldn't develop this kind of a relationship uh, with the eating and uh, not go into like this uh, yeah like a yo-yo mode um so yeah like even if you did let's say binge or, or uh, had like a bad food uh, ate too much whatever too much dessert then don't like beat yourself up about it and uh, realize that it, you know happens every once in a while or something and uh, there's nothing to like you know yeah not it's not gonna be like a big deal just get back on track with the right things that you're doing already like you know exercising uh, eating clean and uh, you could like uh, do damage control in the sense that you do restrict your calories a little bit, but you don't go into like a full-on fast or you don't go on like a very sm very low calorie intake for the next few days. You just, you know, realize, okay, I need to just, you know, uh, be a little more careful with what I'm eating, but I'm not going to be going into this uh, full restriction and starvation mode. Uh, and uh, likewise with exercise, you can do dam damage control after eating, let's say, too many calories or after cheat meals uh, by just exercising the next day and uh, chances are that you're actually going to have a good workout like uh, if you let's say uh, ate a lot of carbs and calories then you will like basically have topped off your glycogen stores and uh, you're full of uh, electrolytes uh, usually if you eat like uh, salty foods uh, from processed foods then uh, yeah you're just gonna have like a good workout and uh, nothing to really worry about that uh, so yeah glycine side effects uh, not that I know of any, like some people say that it makes them like very either too tired or even like maybe like some a bit like anxious a little bit. I haven't encountered any of that. 
Uh, but generally, glycine is very safe, and um, most people don't get any negative side effects. It does help with like sleep. It helps with blood sugar regulation. Helps with uh, inflammation levels. Um, so yeah, it's good for the skin. And uh, yeah, I mean, I use it every day. Uh, your body fat currently. Um, well, I think if I'm pinching myself right now, then I would say maybe maybe like nine percent, something like that. And uh, reason for that was like you know. In the forest um, for the past two weeks uh, doing some training um, and uh, there I didn't eat like a ton of food so I was in a small calorie deficit uh, not like severe but yeah like over the course of just you know two weeks you'll maybe lose I lost maybe like one kilogram of weight or something um, uh, da -da -da -da. how do you feel about white rice yeah I mean it's good I mean, well I don't eat it, and like I don't really like the taste. I mean, it's, it's every once in a while it's fine, but it's not like the tastiest carb, and it's not the most micronutrient dense carb either. Uh, you do you could get like resistant starch from it the same way with potatoes, but compared to potatoes, then white rice doesn't have like nearly as many of the uh, micronutrients. So potatoes are super high in like potassium and other uh, vitamin A and uh, nutrients. So uh, yeah, I much rather eat potatoes than uh, white rice, and it tastes better as well, uh, in my opinion. How would you set up an effective cardio routine at the gym for fat burning? Uh, well, depends on the goals and it depends on your current body composition. But for fat burning, uh, you're trying to lose weight, then um, yeah, I wouldn't. I would still do like uh, zone two cardio, maybe a bit more frequently than uh, usually. Like I would do zone two cardio for uh, thirty to forty-five minutes, three to four times per week, something like that. If you really want to lose um, fat. And then maybe like once a week, I would do like some sort of intervals and hit cardio thing. But uh, yeah, like I think zone two cardio is perfectly fine. Like you don't need to do like any crazy stuff to lose uh, weight. Um, so yeah, and it's it's less impactful for recovery as well. Like you can do the zone zone, zone two cardio and still uh, lift the next day without feeling beaten up. Uh, whereas like doing a ton of hit or Tabata sets may not do it. Maybe Tabata or hit may make you too like wrecked. Uh, To, to do will cycling uh, to work 15 plus 15 kilometers a day be bad for muscle gains well not if you're eating enough calories um, and depends on how fast are you doing that if you're just doing it like zone 2 style like very slowly kind of just brisk cycling then it's perfectly fine it's not going to interfere with muscle gains as long as you're eating enough calories so yeah like 15 plus so 30 kilometers a day of uh, cycling uh, well that does burn quite a lot of calories maybe like up to um, I would suggest maybe like you know 600 calories a day extra so if you eat more then it's not gonna affect and I wouldn't do it like in a fast state like I wouldn't do the cycling in a fast state if you're trying to uh, build muscle your your opinion on uh, trochesterone and ectosterone uh, so uh, yeah I mean I haven't like delved fully into the research about uh, trochesterone and ectosterones uh, but uh, I've, you know, tried them. I do th uh, notice like a small, uh, basically improvement when I take testosterone, uh, mostly for like a strength side, not like the, that much a muscle side. Uh, but uh, I do notice that I'm a bit uh, stronger uh, when I'm like one rep stronger <laughs> when I'm taking testosterone, like, not like you know crazy uh, gains. Uh, but from the research, what I've seen is that yeah, like there's not enough research to suggest that uh, testosterone 
helps with muscle gr growth or strength gains, uh, but in some studies it does. Uh, so yeah, I think it's more like, yeah, like if you notice it, then it may help, um, but it may not work for everyone. Uh, low thyroid fix from too much restricting calories. Well, um, yeah, I mean, depends on how long you've been restricting it and uh, how many calories have you been eating and uh, are you trying to lose weight or not? So, um, if you're not trying to lose weight, then the fastest and easiest way to just basically boost the thyroid again would be to just eat, <laughs> eat more calories. Um, that would uh, by itself help to raise your metabolic rate and uh, improve thyroid function. Uh, but, you know, those calories uh, should also have compounds and nutrients that help the thyroid. Like you would want to get, you know, iodine, selenium and sodium, uh, but also like carbohydrates. So carbs and insulin, they help to boost T3. Um, so uh, on a low carb diet, you may see like low thyroid much faster than on a high carb diet. Um, and yeah, like whenever I've, you know, been in calorie restriction and dieting, uh, and I've wanted to like basically reverse that and uh, boost my thyroid and metabolic rate again, and then I'll, I would just eat more carbs and a little bit more calories. Um, I wouldn't eat like a ton of more fat. There's no point in that from the thyroid side, um, besides only the calorie intake. But uh, yeah, like a bit more carbs and protein, a little bit of fat as well, just to, you know, so that you wouldn't have to end up eating like too much food in volume. Um, what do you mix into your protein shake? Just water. Yes, just water and you know, like some amino acids and um, creatine and those kind of things. Whatever I happen to take at that day, uh, but I don't, I don't mix it with milk or anything. I just water. Uh, how do, how many grams of glycine per day? Well, I take three to ten grams. So most of the time, three to three to five grams, and then on some days, I'll maybe ten grams, a bit more. Does soaking oats overnight remove the phytic acid? Um, well, a little bit, I think, yeah, like soaking any kind of nuts and, uh, yeah, grains before cooking them overnight will remove some of the phytic acid. How to deal with brain fog? Well, that depends. You have to identify what is the cause of the brain fog. Is it sleep? That's easy. Just fix your sleep. It may be circadian rhythm related. It may be light environment related. You may be not getting enough sunlight. You may be getting too much blue light. You may be not getting enough red light. Um, so yeah, you have to kind of find out what is the reason there. From a food side, brain fog can be caused, you know, by allergens, inflammation, food intolerances, those kind of things. Um, eating too many carbs can make you sluggish or brain fog. Not eating enough can also do that. Eating too much protein can sometimes do it like if you feel like super heavy after eating meals. So yeah, like digestion related, you have to like fix the digestion and uh, eliminate inflammatory and uh, allergenic foods. Uh, deal with brain fog, you can also, you know, look at your work environment, you know, are you just watching too many screens all the time? Are you stuck indoors? Are you exercising enough? Are you getting enough fresh air, air quality, hydration? Maybe you're um, dehydrated or not gonna go like electrolytes. So yeah, there are many things. Um, most important thing for keto gain, I think, well, lifting weights, <laughs> that's the most important thing. Uh, and secondly, protein. Like a lot of um, people on keto may not eating enough protein. Um, so yeah, like if you're trying to build muscle with keto, then kind of eating more protein than the standard keto diet recommends is um, 
I think, the most effective thing. Uh, what are examples of zone 2 cardio? So zone 2 cardio is anything like that is below 65% of your VO2 max and uh, that can include any activity that can be jumping jacks, jogging, cycling, swimming, paddle boarding or you know whatever just any kind of physical activity that uh, maintains this kind of brisk but not intense um, aerobic exercise so you can actually assess it quite easily by just paying attention to your uh, breathing like if you're breathing through your mouth then you're probably not in zone 2 and you're exceeding the anaerobic threshold uh, but if you're breathing through the nose then that's an um, indicator that you're still in the aerobic state and uh, in, the, in the zone 2 uh, cardio slight shivering and feeling weak immediately after consuming uh, carbs um, well that is pretty characteristic of like a hypoglycemic response so that you're eating the carbs your blood sugar rises but then it gets uh, shuttled into the cell and you go like hypo um, to fix that you can just eat the carbs slower or not eat that many carbs immediately you can also pair it with protein and fats fiber and things of like that when will the next book come out uh, well by the time of this recording it has already come out <laughs> so the obesity fix on Amazon uh, you can check it out with Dr. James Dinicolantonio we wrote it um, and yeah, it's pretty good. It's not as long as our previous books, but it's still uh, pretty uh, practical. It's, I think it's more practical. It uh, has more of this uh, hands-on advice. Um, I've been breaking out badly due to red meat. What I'm going to do? <laughs> what I'm going to do? Uh, uh, well, depends on, yeah, like, um, I mean, I, I would assume that you're not eating only red meat. You're eating other foods as well. Maybe it's maybe the red meat is reacting with some other foods that you're eating um, so pro usually I mean you're breaking out with the skin uh, usually because of some again like some inflammation and allergens maybe the quality maybe it's like maybe you're eating grain-fed uh, meat maybe the meat is too high in omega-6s maybe you're eating pork uh, or maybe you're allergic it's very rare to be allergic to uh, beef or uh, pork uh, but it could be possible uh, or it's just you know too many omega-6s in that meat like meaning that it's uh, grain-fed or it's you know again you're combining it with some inflammatory uh, foods or allergens uh, and uh, secondly it can also be um, related to too much basically methionine and too much uh, mTOR activation uh, so it raises your IGF-1 levels a little bit too much and uh, mTOR activation also is associated with acne uh, so uh, you can balance that by incorporating some organ meats or taking glycine to balance the methionine. Um, how do you push yourself to work out? Well, I think you shouldn't like you know push yourself <laughs> in that sense. Like it shouldn't be like a com constant struggle because then it's much harder to sustain and it's not going to be that enjoyable. So much rather mm, you need to. Uh, develop this relationship with the exercise that you enjoy it and you want to do it um, I mean you don't necessarily have to like super enjoy it you don't have to be like a fanatic and things like that but you should still like you know uh, feel some of the benefits and acknowledge the benefits that okay this is something that actually is good for me and it's beneficial it's actually improves my quality of my life and if you have these mental talks around exercise then over time you basically change your brain 
to start to have positive associations with the exercise. If you're always having like negative associations with the exercise, like this sucks, this is hard, this is you know, why am I doing this? I wouldn't rather never want to do this. Uh, then yeah, over time you, it becomes your like your default state, and this is what you always feel. Uh, compared to if you associate with positive things, like okay, it improves my health, makes me live longer, makes me look better, makes me feel better. Those things then um, over time you change your brain again to enjoy it. So yeah, I think yeah, the trick tr trick shouldn't be to you know push yourself through. Obviously, there's a few occasions where you need to do it, or if you want to really, you know, see progress, then you do need to be uncomfortable to a certain extent. But going into that uncomfortable state and basically pushing yourself shouldn't come from a place of negative uh, feelings and negative associations. You should always like still enjoy it. Uh, what about drinking whey protein mixed with milk? I think it helps to get a good sleep. Your opinion? Uh, well, yeah. Well, uh, calcium helps with REM sleep, and um, so yeah, that's why you get the better sleep if you uh, drink a milk before sleep before bed. And the whey protein itself also has calcium, so either is fine. But yeah, that's the reason. Uh, whey collagen EAAs. What do you recommend? I don't like meat. Well. well um, depends on yeah like your uh, ability to tolerate like are you able to tolerate whey and dairy then yeah it's perfectly fine uh, i would like i wouldn't like make your main source of protein like a powder <laughs> you would still want to eat whole food proteins uh, and uh, the protein powders are like a substitute like a one meal replacement uh, per day would be good for like a protein shake and the other ones would still come from like whole foods if you don't like meat then i mean there's other protein options out there fish eggs Scottish cheese, uh, beans, legumes, those things. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but that uh, low sodium, what to do? How much salt for regain? Well, it's hard to know. Yeah, like what do you mean by low sodium? If you're getting cramps, then yeah, that, that can be a sign of usually not enough uh, electrolytes and salt. Uh, how do you fix that? And how much salt? Well, it's hard to, yeah hard to tell um, I wouldn't like go about trying to like refeed on salt the same way you you would refeed on carbs or calories uh, I would much just yeah like stick to the same daily intake of salt that you normally would and over time it will fix the uh, deficiency or you know whatever it uh, not enough uh, salt in that I wouldn't go about like trying to refeed on salt by consuming 10,000 milligrams of salt per day for you know two days <laughs> in order to replenish your lost uh, salt stores uh, I don't think that's because your body, your body would probably excrete it uh, so it's not, there's no point in doing that uh, so um, yeah I would just stick to the same kind of around like 2000 to 3000 milligrams of salt uh, or sodium uh, per day I think it's gonna be over time it's gonna fix it um, best mix supplements to take in the morning empty stomach every day well in the morning it's good to take like some circadian supplements um let's you know let's mention like nmn and uh, those kind of things i i personally take almost like all my supplements in the morning on an empty stomach like glucosamine and nmn tmg uh, boron alpha gpc 
those kind of things. Other supplements that I take with food, for example, have to do with, with the food. Like if I take chromium for the insulin uh, sensitivity, then I will take it with the carbs that I'm eating. I'm not going to take it on an empty stomach if I'm not eating carbs. Uh, likewise, glycine, I also take it with food because it helps with blood sugar. Uh, creatine, I take it before my workout with uh, some salt. Um, and before bed, I will take maybe like some melatonin sometimes or reishi and uh, maybe glycine as well sometimes. In inositol, I'll take it also pre-workout. Um, how to increase energy levels when getting enough sleep, exercising and feeling well, often tired? Uh, I think it's uh, kind of similar with the brain fog. Yeah, like what is causing it? Is it sleep? Is it circadian rhythms? Is it light exposure? Is it the environment? Is it the food? Is it the diet? Is the maybe or maybe you're just overtraining? You have to kind of think about that. What's the best protocol before a sport competition? Um, well, let's say you've been training consistently for months and you have like a competition. Uh, well, the night before, it's so good to have like a high carb meal, so basically carb load, as it's called, because that will top off your glycogen stores. And you can't like, you know, fully saturate your glycogen if you eat the carbs or if you start eating the carbs only like, you know, two hours or five hours before the um, competition. You would have to start to uh, start the re refeed and carb, carb load uh, the night before to be able to do that because there's a limited amount of glycogen you can store you know, per hour. Uh, then caffeine be before the workout is good, increases you know, adrenaline and uh, energy, increases sport performance, but you also like one hour or an hour and a half before you want to start to hydrate yourself with salt and uh, water to uh, boost, boost uh, your uh, plasma volume, blood plasma volume. And uh, salt also reduces your uh, core temperature so it stays lower while you're exercising. And it's very critical to keep a lower body temperature while exercising because part of the reason why you stop exercising or why you reach this like a limit is because you overheat, your muscles overheat. And by keeping the body cooler, you postpone that you can exercise for longer. And uh, things that lower your body temperature would be, you know, drinking the salt and water, like about like 2,000, 3,000 milligrams of uh, sodium one to two hours before exercise in like one liter of water is going to be a good dose for that. And it does, you know, uh, hydrate you quite well and it uh, makes the exercise a lot uh, I, I don't notice like a significant difference in in that sense, uh, but you can also you know you want to before a lot like you know weeks before the competition you can uh, heat acclimate yourself as well. So taking the sauna regularly basically makes you more able to tolerate the heat, and uh, that is also like exercise boosting performance uh, or exercise uh, performance boosting effect uh, because you maintain a lower body temperature during the exercise as well. So you don't overheat because your body is so used to the heat thanks to the saunas. Uh, and uh, before the exercise, you can also do um, a bit of like cooling down the body and that also uh, postpones that. So if you start to exercise with a slightly cooler body temperature, then that also makes it uh, easier for you to exercise for longer. So I wouldn't do like an ice bath because that can be dangerous, but just some sort of like cooling. Um, there are like different kinds of, you know, actually different kinds of gloves and different kinds of, you know, patches that you can cool down your body with. Uh, this we talked a lot in our book, Win with Dr. James, and the most 
uh, effective ways or locations to cool down the body is where the glabrous skin is. So the palms, the forehead, uh, and uh, the you know the soles of your feet. So those are the most thermo-regulating like, uh, parts of the body. So you want to you can cool down the entire body by just keeping your hands in cold water or your feet, for that matter. So you don't need to take like a full ice bath. Best oil for deep frying. Is it okay to eat deep fried occasionally? Can you reuse the leftover leftover oil? <laughs> so deep frying isn't generally like very healthy because you know any fat, even the healthier fats, can become oxidized, uh, especially if you're frying them in deep fry in, in deep frying matter. Um, uh, but I didn't, you know, let's say like before McDonald's started to use canola oil, they actually used tallow. <laughs> so they actually deep fry their stuff in a tallow, uh, which does have a basically higher smoking point and it's more resistant towards heat than canola oil. Um, I wouldn't reuse it by any means. Um, and uh, I wouldn't eat it all the time. Like, I mean, occasionally it's fine, but I wouldn't definitely use it all the time. But in that manner, like I would, I would think that you know, deep fried tallow is probably as bad as deep fried canola oil, in my opinion. Like they're both bad, um, and um, I would suggest that it doesn't matter which one you eat. Like you can even, eat, you can still, you still have like some lipid peroxidation and stuff like that from an inflammation from that, even if it's tallow and a higher smoking point. So. Um, if you were to plan on eating some deep fried food and you do it like let's say once a month like a cheat meal or whatever then you i would you know, go for the regular uh, deep fried canola oil i wouldn't see any problem with that because like i said your body's very able to actually tolerate it uh, and uh, deal with it so you wouldn't i wouldn't be worried about it that much uh, and just you know go for the <laughs> canola oil um yeah if you do it like in infrequently <clears throat> how do i buy crump in australia <clears throat> Uh, well, currently it's not on sale in Australia. We're working on it. We're working on yeah distributing uh, the crump uh, worldwide. Uh, we will ship all the uh, the orders that were made through the Indiegogo campaign probably this week and the week after that or something. So everyone will get their crump uh, by mid June something like that. And uh, from there we are working on yeah distributing it probably going to Amazon. Uh, so yeah. That's gonna happen probably you know the second half of uh, this year and maybe Australia would maybe hope or I think that we will be on like a store shelves in Australia maybe like next year if everything goes well do you have a podcast yes <laughs> yes I do and this is the podcast <laughs> right now um, Please make available crump on iHerb and Amazon. Yes, we're working on the Amazon thing. I don't think we'll be on iHerb, but uh, Amazon, yes. Uh, is cardio or weight training better for weight loss for female? Well, the females or women tend to yeah, do a lot of cardio or they think that in order to lose weight they need to do the cardio, which is you know, it does help. Cardio is great for weight loss. I think so some people can go the opposite direction of they're not doing any cardio at all and they're not they're just lifting weights and not doing cardio for weight loss which is kind of you're leaving a lot of like unmade uh, gains on the table in terms of fat loss if you're not doing any cardio because yeah doing 
like zone two cardio for 45 minutes even like once or twice a week isn't gonna basically slow down your metabolic rate at all or it's actually gonna increase it um so yeah i think you should do both um women tend to gravitate towards more cardio and this hit style stuff uh, but they should definitely also do weight training because it um improves you know lean muscle mass and increases insulin sensitivity which is you know just good overall and uh, makes it easier to sustain the weight loss as well after you stop dieting I may be allergic to milk. What's the next next best protein powder after whey? Uh, personally, I think, or I'll, I'll, I personally, the next one that I would choose is pea protein, actually. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not like a... Because, like, you know, uh, egg white protein powder can be as allergenic as whey for a lot of people. And uh, then the best... I wouldn't do the soy protein powder, but, yeah, pea protein powder would be my next best bet. And the best brand out there for that, I think, is Newzest. They have like super tasty pea protein powder and um, completely clean and nothing like any um, like artificial sweeteners or anything. And it's very tasty. So yeah, like it's actually tastes better than the whey protein, <laughs> in my opinion. But it may have like a bit less um, amino acids. But as a protein powder, it, I think it doesn't matter. Protein powders themselves, even if it's plant-based, are already more bioavailable than and more like anabolic than almost any like whole food even if it's like you know animal based maybe with the exception of eggs how long do you sleep daily usually i sleep like six to seven hours uh, on shorter nights six usually seven um yes eating 300 grams carbs a day is it better to eat all the once in post-workout or in multiple meals well 300 grams of carbs isn't that much i would eat it just in one meal post-workout that's what i would do um yeah because the insensitivity is so much higher after the workout and uh, that yeah it's gonna be just much better for the glucose regulation and stuff like that um how to prepare if I know that I'll be eating low calorie, low protein for a month? Well, the best way to maintain the muscle is to do resistance training or some sort of exercise, even like a few push-ups or something that you know forces your muscles to activate, <laughs> and that signals the body to maintain the muscle, even if you're low calorie. If you're low calorie and low protein without exercising, then you're going to lose a lot of muscle. But if you're still exercising during that time, then you're going to maintain a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Is HMB beneficial for a 58-year-old woman who's weightlifting? So HMB, um, yeah, I mean, there are actually a lot of studies that find HMB supplementation in elderly maintains muscle. Um, so, um, yes, HMB is less effective if you're eating enough protein and calories, but I personally even take HMB as well. Uh, I take it because I'm like, you know, fasting in the morning and early part of the day, so uh, I'm in a catabolic state, and uh, HMB doesn't like uh, it doesn't it doesn't have like any nutritional value or caloric value, much rather uh, it has like anti-catabolic effects uh, because it's a metabolite of leucine. So um, yeah, I take the HMB like three grams in the morning to maintain muscle. That's my hack, <laughs> basically. Uh, but for the elderly, yeah, it, it is uh, beneficial as well, especially if you're like a low-protein uh, diet and not exercising. If you're exercising and and are eating enough protein then it's less effective 
but I personally find it reasonable to still take it because of my fasting window but if you're eating in the morning then you may not uh, need to uh, take it and uh, yeah if you want to ask me any other questions then follow me on Instagram I'm doing these Q&A's maybe like once a week or so and uh, yeah thanks for listening my name is Seem stay tuned for the next episode stay empowered